Happy New Year and welcome back to The Human Exception. Today, Courtney tells us about some invasive species threatening our waters, from critters like the zebra mussel that travel on the hull of boats across land to get to new water sources, to the lionfish, a beautiful venomous fish that is decimating native marine populations everywhere. As always, expect some foul language and let's get ready for another Human Exception. But as soon as I have something I have to do where that's important, mm-hmm. fuck you. Can't do it. <laughs> uh, sounds about right. Um, welcome back to the human exception. <laughs> it's, a, it's a new year. Yay. Yay. We made it. We made From it so far. A couple of weeks ago to when we last recorded to now. We made it. Yeah. Well. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's just gonna be us three tonight. Um, Hallie's not feeling very good, so Courtney offered to tell us all about some invasive species. Surprise, surprise! Courtney's talking about fish yet again. <laughs> Didn't we it's just listen humans. to Courtney talk? <laughs> it's not humans. <laughs> Not even mermaids. I guess I could have talked about mermaid myths. <laughs> I didn't think about that. I didn't have that one up my sleeve. Gotta um, prepare for next time. I'll we add definitely it. have to cover mermaids one day for sure. I'll make a sticky note while I'm sitting here before I forget because my brain is sadness and fish. Mermaid. Uh, sadness and fish. <laughs> Look, guys, your brain isn't also sadness and fish. What are you even doing with your life? I mean, honestly, because I can't listen to podcasts or anything at work or music. I I just sit there and it's just TikTok snippets of songs all day long. <laughs> oh no! Oh, that and then I and then every once in a while, it's like, oh, I wonder what about what about this animal? And I look it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been a week and a half of that. So yeah, invasive species. <laughs> yeah, Courtney, what before, is the deal with that? <laughs> before the thousand yard stare sets in. Um, so you hear this term kind of thrown around sometimes in science communities, um, but just to kind of define the term for everyone, um, Noah defines Noah not not Noah the Ark Noah, but Noah the National Observatory. No. National. What does Noah stand for, Courtney? You've never had to say it out loud. You just say Noah all the time. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Good lord. Fired. I thought, um, I thought ocean would be in there, but that's the only I know thing it's that I in there, but I was like, National Observatory. Nope. Nope. <laughs> National Oceanic people. Um, so it's any species. <laughs> I'm holding on by a thread, y'all. <laughs> Same. So it's, it's any species that lives in a non-native environment that can cause 
or does cause harm to an existing ecosystem. Um, so this can be plant, animal, or fungi. Uh, and it generally occurs because of human intervention. Um, most often anymore, we see this happening because of the global shipping trade um, or like produce is shipped from one place to another and like a little spider or frog friend will sneak in um, and then it finds its way into the local ecosystem, sometimes depending on where that animal, what that animal is and where it ends up, um, nothing happens because like if you take a tropical frog and you drop it in Fairbanks, Alaska, it's going to die because it's too cold in the winter for them to survive. <laughs> um, but occasionally um, there will be things like, um, I know in Alaska, one of the ones that we had that we fought a lot were uh, northern pike um, that someone had actually released on purpose into south central Alaska, where I'm from, um, because they're fun to fish, <laughs> but they're also like freshwater barracudas and they eat everything um it's bad times great, great people um yeah. yeah um it also happens sometimes people will like outgrow a pet uh, which is a terrible thing to say um but they'll quote unquote outgrow them and release them into the wild this happened in the everglades with some different boa constrictors um it happens with fish a lot actually which is also pretty gross um oh, to me that people just take their fish and go put them in a pond or something yeah like people <laughs> have done it that happened with asian carp and now asian carp are like a really systemic problem in some parts of the world because like they're trash fish uh i say that with love not in like a like a mean way like they will live like they're like the tardigrade of fish like they can live pretty much anywhere and thrive and that's great in some cases, but when you're introducing them into a delicate ecosystem <laughs> or they start to throw things out of balance, then it's not so great. Um, please don't release animals into the wild um, if you can't care for them anymore. Please, like, surrender them to a pet store or, like, find an appropriate, um, like, rehoming place. Like, there's websites and pages everywhere you can get rid of animals if, you, if you're no, well, got ri get rid of. You can render them so you can find them a new better home who can care for them um so they can get the care they need please don't chuck things into other places um but another way that these animals are spreading into new unfounded territory is because of global climate change which is another way that humans are impacting them in a way like it's not like purposefully like dumping them somewhere but global climate change is unarguably caused by humans i will fight you to the death on that come for me <laughs> um and because of that change um animals are having to move for a couple different reasons one of them might be because they no longer have food availability in their area and so they are ranging farther to look for food because they're starving um or they're starting to eat things that they don't normally eat, which has also been happening. Um, it could be because of increased temperatures. Um, and so that they're kind of forced out of their native area because it's too hot or too acidic or too salty for them now. Um, and then that also allows them to move farther north or south um, into waters that were previously not quite right for them. Um, 
and then they're making an impact on those local ecosystems that they don't normally in- impact because they're not there. Um, humans also influence things in terms of like over harvesting. So because we have a taste for tuna and what was another big one? Tuna is one of the main ones. Tunas are actually a huge apex predator. And well, apex predator they don't have like when they get to a certain size they don't have a whole lot of um other animals trying to eat them all the time because they're just too fucking massive yeah (laughs) right um but they are a major predator when you don't have a lot of those major predators they don't have the competition so like these other animals that are normally kind of kept in check balanced out by the tuna are no longer being kept in check and are kind of like spilling over and taking over a little bit more or appearing to take over a little bit more. And guys, um, is delicious, so let's not just, like, hunt it to well, extinction. That would be yeah. good. Yeah. My yeah. My brain hurts. I just had another <laughs> thought, and it hurt my head and my heart at the same time. So, <laughs> let's just have a moment. The tuna thing makes me really sad, because I really Yeah. Like- <laughs> And, like, the other side of it is, like, we're dealing with increased mercury in fish, which is one thing. And we also are dealing with microplastics in our seafood, which is another thing. And then, like, like all the pressures from human consumption and then all the pressures from, like, global warming. It is just a lot, guys. Um, We suck, (laughs) y'all. It's, and we it's, need to do better. Well, and it's one of those things where it's like it's a complicated thing. It's not like you can fix one portion of it and everything will be fine. It's like such a multifaceted problem that has no real right answer to how to fix it. There's wrong ways to do things, which is like to introduce something else to deal with it. <laughs> like, which I will so go into later. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, you know, like, just continue to wantonly do whatever. Like, it's really hard. Just know that, like, yeah. Try and eat sustainably, y'all. It's important. Um, Yeah. So, all in all, there are at least 6,500 invasive species, I believe, in North America alone. Um, And that includes things like grasses, insects, insects. you know, various plants, fish, other animals. Um, yeah, so we care for some of the reasons that I talked about earlier. Um, invasive species can outcompete native species for food. They can decimate native populations of species um, by, like, overeating them. They can alter the environment um, and make it uninhabitable for native species. They can physically crowd other species out. Um, and then another reason is they can ne- negatively affect human infrastructure and like human tourism, which is kind of like at the bottom of my give a fucks. Um, but I only have like two left anyway, so I'm going to spend it <laughs> other places. <laughs> so, yeah. So just some of the examples of some of these bad boys. They're not really bad. They're not. Like, none of these animals, the other thing I want to say is, like, none of these animals are evil or malicious. They're just animals doing things that animals do. And most of them aren't choosing to be placed where they are. They don't don't choose to be there. They're trying to live. (laughs) Even if they did, like, even if they were able to, like, just be decided, like, I'm going to live in Mexico today. I don't care that I'm not normally found in Mexico. 
Um, <clears throat> they're still like animals, just trying to do the best that they can. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't think it's fair to assign like the human human idea of evil or maliciousness on them because they don't necessarily know that they have those concepts. It's like a deep ethical thing to like ponder later. But um, I'm I'm more I'm more saying that it's you know one invasive species, aka us, that is probably responsible oh. for putting these animals here we're a horde <laughs> horde pervasive species that does terrible things to other animals and creatures all the time people um, in fact yep it's it's like I, love, I love people but i hate people at the same time so <laughs> um yeah um what was i talking about I don't know. Where was Somewhere between us, and then we the people being terrible. Oh, I was thinking. I was. I got distracted because I was thinking about like, like I think of animals. Like I don't think the animals are unintelligent. Just to kind of go off of my whole like, animals aren't intentionally malicious. Animals, I think, are are a lot like um, small human children. Like small human children do things that aren't necessarily like we might perceive as being malicious or evil, but they're not doing it with that intent because they don't have a way of like thinking about that because they don't have the ability to like visualize the future really or insight into what another creature is doing because they're fucking like four years old and the world is a lot Um, they don't even have like a sense of self or anything so it's like yeah, or like they'll have a sense of self but like they just like their sense of self is so strong that there is no sense of anything else yet and that's not necessarily an evil thing in like a four-year-old like if you were 24 and still had no like regard for other beings then i would have concerns um but since you're like four no not so much like they're not being malicious these animals aren't malicious i've been reading a lot about gentle parenting lately i love gentle parenting tiktok go go watch it for a while it'll make you feel real good they have like sidebar there are people who do montessori which is like a school of learning and teaching your children. And they have these tiny kitchens that they stock with tiny food for their tiny children. And they just let them play cook and cook and make their own things all day. And it is so precious and good. And they don't yell at them when they spill the milk. And it just gives me all kinds of warm and fuzzies. And we just needed a little warm and fuzzy break. (laughs) Sorry. I think that's very good. That's very good. We needed it, right? Yeah. And then people come for the the mom who's all, they're like, why are you letting her do that? She's just wasting all that food. Because sometimes, like, they'll be pouring the milk and it spills everywhere and, like, none got in the bowl. And the mom's like, she's got to learn. Eventually, she'll run out of milk. And I don't restock it until this day. And she knows that. So, (laughs) granted, they don't have a concept of days or time at that age either. But, like, it's not a big deal. It's just milk. Yeah. And it's like two ounces of milk too. Get off your high horse, Karen. Things things okay. not to cry about. Spilled milk. Spilled milk. I used to cry whenever I spill milk. <laughs> okay, so examples of these invasive species. Um, one of which I've I I think I've talked about before when I talked about my favorite parasite, um, Saculina carcini, that zombie barnacle crab killer. Yeah. Yeah, so they are invading the Pacific Northwest. So, green which is where we are, <laughs> which is where we live. 
which is why I care. But it's also it's spreading a lot of places, not just the Pacific Northwest. Um, so the green shore crab is formerly known as Carcinus minaeus. It's north native to the northern Atlantic and Baltic Sea, but has been found now, thanks to people, in South Africa, South America, North America, and Australia, on both course coasts of North America. Um, they're voracious omnivores, and they eat pretty much everything that they can stuff in their little mouths. Um, so they're out-competing native species of crabs for food and killing them off, while simultaneously decimating native species of prey and killing them off. In fact, they were responsible for the entire collapse of the soft-shell clam industry in Maine, which was a big deal. Clams were a thing. I didn't either, to be honest. Like I'm a, I'm a, a West Coast girl. Um, but yeah, like they're like, yeah, soft shell clams gone. <laughs> um, that they're called soft shell clams because they have a very thin, breaky skull, skull shell, <laughs> exoskeleton. Um, they look a lot like horse clams to me from the West Coast. Okay, but they're also called piss clams, apparently. What? I did not see that. It's in like the, the... It says it right there, piss clam, doesn't it? Yep. Good lord. And apparently they're an invasive species on the west coast. So... So we killed them on the east coast, or like zombie brain thing did, and then now they're invading the west. I guess. I wonder if, like... It doesn't say in here real quickly on how they became invasive. It was they might have been tried to be like a farmed situation. Mm. Um, soft shell clams can be steamed, fried, or eaten in clam chowder. They are an integral part of the New England clam bake. That sounds that's too much detail. I can't read that. Okay. <laughs> There's like I I'm not super like i'll eat i love seafood but like there's some some things that i can't think about while i'm eating seafood because it freaks me out clams are one of them for some reason it's just too much information about me you just don't like clams or no, i love clams but there's something like like something about the siphon like if i think about it too much i can't eat them it's kind of like same thing with chicken wings like, I had to dissect, quote-unquote dissect, a chicken wing and label the parts of the chicken wing that were the same parts of the human arm, and I couldn't eat chicken for two months. Hmm. There's stuff like, like, there's weird stuff like that where, like, I can't, there's, like, a weird mental block where I have to, like, anyway, it's not important. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, like, is it, like, clams. the smell of formaldehyde? Like, you see a thing that you just just. Like just dissect not long ago. No, and these all were... you get is like that overwhelming smell for whatever reason. These are fresh. These are like oh, fresh okay. chicken wings from like the store. And I think maybe that I think the formaldehyde actually acts as a really good barrier for me when it comes to like food versus science. If hmm. that makes sense, because I'm not think I don't think about my food in scientific terms. Like I don't like I don't like gut a fish and think about her food and think about like, oh, this is this is and oh, look, there's that part of the spleen. I see it as guts and fish. But if I'm dissecting it for science, like mm -hmm. I have to think of it that way, even though like the cuts are all all basically the same. Uh, 
it, there's like a, a switch I have to flip in my brain. Um, I don't know if that makes I've done a lot of dissections. Um, yeah. I get it. Like. And it's nice to have that kind of like um, distance between it, I guess. Yeah. And like, I don't know why it bothers me with some things. And not others. Like, fish usually isn't that big of a deal. Um, Content warning dissection stuff, if you're not into that. Uh, But, like, dissecting fetal pigs was really difficult for me. Uh, Like, because the anatomy is very similar to humans, which is why you dissect them. Um, But that was harder for me than, like, anything else I had done. Now I've done, like, three pigs, and I could probably do it without getting too squeamish. Um, But, yeah, that and bone breaking. Bone breaking is really hard to do, physically and, like, emotionally. Um, But, yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. It's just, I, I broke my arm when I was little, and I hurt it, and I think, like... It's a little bit of PTSD, maybe. <laughs> back to that time. <laughs> Throws me right back into, like, that, like, being told I didn't break my, my arm both times and, like, all the abuse I got from, like, the kids at school. Kids are assholes, man. <laughs> maybe I don't want kids. Anyway, um, I kind of talked about the Northern Pike uh, in South Central Alaska. Um, I had heard growing up that we had a bounty on pike in my in my area in the in the uh, South Central. Um, I went to go double check that, so I wasn't just like throwing out information that wasn't true. Alaska Fish and Wildlife did not have any such thing listed <laughs> on their website, unfortunately. Um, but they did talk about how they have efforts going through and trying to remove them. From the lakes and waterways because they are really bad for our salmon population and trouts and char and dolly varden. Um, like one pike can be released in a, like a reasonably sized lake and they will eat everything in the lake and then like start to cannibalize. Like if they have babies, they'll start to cannibalize their own kind until like all you have in the lake are like one big mean pike and maybe a couple smaller ones who are just really good at hiding. Um, And like that, like I said before, like that happened because someone decided to stock a lake because they like to fish for pike. And now we have like this endemic issue. It's been happening for at least 20 years because I like grew up hearing about it. Um, And it's like they've been trying to do their best to manually remove them. Um, but they've also talked about having to use like a pesticide, pescaside, not pesticide, <laughs> so that it will kill the fish. Um, but then like whenever you're trying to kill something like fish, um, with something like that or do anything with water, um, you're releasing that toxin into the entire waterway and you risk like injuring or killing other animals that you don't want to. Um. Yeah, chemotherapy. Yeah, it's scorched earth. Like kind of. Yeah, like um. So, like with a green shore crab, the only kind of um control effort that I've actually seen be in use is 
actually going and finding the crabs and collecting them. Um, because, like, if you think about going to the beach, how many green shore crabs do you remember seeing? Or, like, crabs in general? Many. Like, without going... Well, yeah, like, if you're... Well, when you turn over rocks and stuff. <laughs> right. You have to, like, actually go and look for them. But, like, like how many of them do you think that you've seen might have been a green shore crab? Yeah. Right? Not everybody knows. And then, like... So they've had to do, like, in Washington especially, they started a campaign to let people know about it. Because I know in the last five years there's been sightings, for sure. Um, there was recently a sighting in, not Elliott Bay. Near um, Olympia, where I went to school. They recently had a sighting of one. Um, just one. Um, so you kind of know that if you see one, that there are definitely more than one. Possibly hundreds. Um, and there's just really no way of knowing unless you can find them. Um, one of the things that I did look at with the green shore crab was a paper where they were possibly thinking about introducing Saculina carcini, that parasitic barnacle, to see if they could use it as a pest control. That sounds Again, dangerous. because that's happened well so many times. So what they do, instead of, thankfully we've learned a little. Um, and so that instead of just like, you know, propagating a bunch of little larvae in the water and hoping that it took care of the problem, um, because that's how the, the parasite does its life cycle is when it's a larva, it swims into a crab. Um, they did it in a lab setting first with not only the green crab, but also other native crabs in the area that they were talking about doing this to see if there was like a preference for green shore crab versus native crabs or if they would leave the native crabs alone. Um, but it didn't seem that the barnacle had a preference, really. And they decided that it like, wasn't worth the risk because they could potentially introduce another invasive species and wipe out all of the shore crabs. <laughs> so I'm um, glad they didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. And you might th sit there and think, like, oh, it's a shore crab, but it's a big deal. Like, they're a source of food and they're a cleanup crew. Crabs and... eat everything, though. Right. Like, but also you want to make sure that there are the right crabs there, right? You can't just, like, trade one out for another necessarily. Because, like, what if the green <laughs> shore crab is equal? <laughs> right? Well, like, what if the green shore crab wasn't as tasty to a local, like, special bird that was nearby like let's say like i'm not saying this for sure i'm just using an example what if we had like a local egret that wouldn't eat the green chard crab but they love like the native crab and now you don't have any native crabs left you only have green chard crabs but the birds can't eat that crab now your bird is in danger right so yeah. it it seems silly and nitpicky and like scientists are big crybabies but i promise we're crybabies on purpose <laughs> we get sad about coral but it really matters i promise it's all connected um, man yeah um, for the, i don't know if you know much about this but like for the pike um since they destroy everything in alaska in their native environments how do they not decimate that do you, I don't um, know, if you know anything about that i'm i'm assuming it's because they have like a counterbalance but i can't be certain so we actually have pike northwest of the Alaska range which kind of cuts the state in half um, but they got illegally introduced 
And I'm assuming that they're a problem because they're attacking our stock with no like like counter counter measures against them. I think in their native area I, like I could totally be wrong, but I don't think they have as big of a um salmon stock if any just thinking about that region of the state and so that may be why so like they may like kind of eat and like out out like kind of fight with among themselves and eat like trout and varden and things but i don't think that they're a danger to salmon because i don't know that there are salmon there but don't quote me on that because i'm not 100 percent. i'd have to triple double check i can i can find information later but theoretically, yeah. that's my best guess as someone who grew up in the area and um, did like a scooch of, uh, just a scooch of uh, research <laughs> ahead of time and didn't think of that question. Um, <laughs> I will always find a question you didn't think of. I was, I was working on my sweater today. Like that was, that was what I was trying to figure out. I was not thinking so much. I was just like, yeah, fucking pike, man. We used to, like, you can, like, you can't go spear fishing in freshwater in alaska as far as i know but like pike are the exception like where i live you can like bow hunt and and spear them because they're they're bad hunt the pike amazing they're huge too yeah oh, they're big fish they're fucking like let me just swear all but now i had all these pictures prepared and i did not share them at all but they will be on our beautiful instagram curated by some weirdo <laughs> that's a big fat pike right holy shit that, so that pike is actually in winnipeg not alaska you can tell because it's very flat in that picture um that it is not alaska <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like they're they're uh, they're big fuckers man and then i linked a cute little green shore crab uh prying up a limpet um and then I was looking at stuff for Kayla. Where did my other picture go? There. Okay, so next, I was going to talk about the zebra mussel, which is... Yeah. So, if you've ever done freshwater sport, which is a weird thing to say, um, but if you've ever, like, gone jet skiing or um boating anything like that generally in like the pacific northwest in my experience i don't think i've seen this on the east coast i know they do it in the great lakes region as well um they'll tell you that after you're done before you go from one body of water to another that you are supposed to clean your craft before you use it again and um I, I like 99.9% .9 of the time, every time, it's because of the zebra mussel. Because these fuckers foul everything. Foul is like a technical term, kind of, for any organism that kind of like fouls up an area. They like kind of take over. So if you've ever been to like a, um, a boat dock or a marina and you look underneath and you see like all of those animals underneath, those are called generally a fouling organism um 
And basically all they do is they just make things not look pretty to people or like crowd an area. Um, but in the terms of like zebra mussels, um, they're really kind of insidious in not an intentional way, but like in a way because they'll clog pipes and they will like take over beaches. Um, and like if it's a swimming area, it can cut up your feet really, really bad. Um, it causes algae to overgrow. It can harm native species. And like the only real way, there's only two real ways you can get rid of it. Um, the first one that they do is they'll try and they'll try to manually remove all of the like clusters of mussels that they can find. And then if that doesn't work, they'll actually put potassium chloride in the water. Oh. Um, which is a straight up poison. Uh, <laughs> they also call it potash to try to make it not sound so bad or potash. Not really quite sure on the pronunciation there. Um, but it's potassium chloride, which is one of the things that they inject you with if you get lethal injection. Um, cool, cool, cool. Let's just put that in the ecosystem. Yeah. Well, granted, this is... I also leaked you guys an article. It's at like... Oh, no, that's not it. Um, it's at like one part per million. So it's not deadly to anything that isn't muscle. And they do that on purpose so that it doesn't kill, like, everything in the lake and make the lake, like, a wasteland. Because that also kind of defeats the purpose. Um, but, it, like, it doesn't impact, like, snails or, like, shrimps and stuff? Um, Possibly. Like, it didn't. So the article I read about this didn't really say. This is actually something they did in Lake Winnipeg. Um. Like in the last, I want to say in the last 10 years, um, because they had an outbreak of zebra mussels, like one zebra mussel got found in on one piling and um, like because one civilian, I say civilian because they weren't a scientist, um, but like one civilian citizen found one mussel and like. They had to scour the entire lake looking for these fuckers um, because they can, like, take over and completely decimate a lake. They don't belong here. So they said that they found 500 mussels that they removed um, manually that were, like, underneath docks and stuff. And then they thought they were okay. And then they found another mussel and so then they like let the put out the potassium chloride i'm sorry it was 100 parts per billion so it wouldn't harm fin fish so it's possible that it could have been hurting their other invertebrates but that was just like the cost of doing business i guess yeah um but part of the problem with zebra mussels is one zebra mussel can lay one million eggs <laughs> So if you even miss one muscle, if that one muscle is pregnant, pregnant, they're not pregnant, but if like one muscle manages to spawn, then you have undone all of the work you did. And like, it's, it's heartbreaking. So apparently that actually happened here was they had found these muscles, removed a bunch of muscles, put out the, the poison, and then, like, just kind of waited, and, like, they found nine mussels the next summer. 
So then they had to do it all over again. Nice. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, so. Yeah. Sounds like a total fan in the ass. Yeah. So that's why. Like, and especially cross border, like it's huge. Like it's one of the big things I noticed whenever I would cross the border to come back and forth would be like, wash your boat, have you washed your boat, pull over and wash your fucking boat. Um, because these things are such a big deal. Yeah. So. Yeah. Again, um, I've definitely seen like boat check stations across the province and stuff when you're like, tr- like driving around and stuff like yeah because yeah they check it i i the first time i heard about zero muscles i think was actually i think i was in middle school and it was an article about them being in san san diego i think and they showed the inside of a sewer pipe and it was like a 12 inch like the opening was 12 inches right so the pipe was thicker but the entire thing was just full of muscles like the water couldn't get through almost because there were so many muscles oh wow because they just kind of go unchecked right they don't have nothing eats them really um that i found like i could be wrong and if i'm wrong please tell me um but like nothing really eats them this isn't their native area like they reproduce at like an alarming rate um they don't have like they like outcompete everything, so they just kind of explode everywhere. Yeah. Um, I looked into your request, Kayla, about <laughs> Humboldt Squid. Dosi Dosi. I was gonna say the name, and then I was gonna be really proud of myself, and then I started to read it and lost it halfway through. Um, we're just gonna call it D Gigas because I'm not saying the first name. D Gigas. D Gigas. Let's see if I could say it. Dosi. Dosi Dickus. <laughs> I'm never getting a biology job. It's not happening. Um, so as long as you spell it right in your papers, you're fine. Dosi Dickus. Dosi Dickus. I don't know. D Gigas. Um, so it's like there's been they've been charted going farther and farther north, and they're thinking that it's partially because like global warming, maybe. But also the whole thing when I was talking about the tuna. Tuna are like they're one of their main competitors. And because there are less tuna, it appears that there are more Humboldt squid. Um, but like I couldn't find anything like super concrete on it. And it. And being competitors with tuna? No, about them being an invasive species. No. Oh. Because they're like their territory is expanding, but then everything I read said that like they do that. So is it? I don't know. It's one of those question mark ones, as far as I'm concerned. For me, um, yeah, because like reading about it a couple years ago, because we never had them up here before, and they started showing yeah. up and being problematic. But well. Is it problematic uh, for, like, what did they mean by problematic? Like, problematic for fishermen? Because fishermen don't like them. Because fishermen feel like they eat too many fish, right? Yeah. From, from like, a commercial standpoint, sure, I'm a dude. um, But, like, realistically, humans are really more likely to be overfishing than Humboldt squid are to be 
Like, how dare they exist in the water? I don't know <laughs> how I feel about that. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it was to do with the commercial fishery stuff, but... Um, There's also, like, rumors of them being super aggressive towards humans and, like, ripping fishermen apart. And, yeah, they've... Yeah, like, I was... Re- so, I read a, a couple different scientific articles, and then, like, it like, wasn't getting like anywhere a, with it. Like, a foot across at most, no, right? No, some of them get really big. Oh, really? I didn't some know Some humble, that. yeah. Here, let me, let me get my, my data on the humble. Um... Yeah, there was like I was reading about it and I was like, bah, 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 I don't know about that. And then I was like, what does this article say? And it was just like a like a written article. And like they were like, Yeah, uh some some fishermen claim that they'll tear you apart if you get in the water with them. And they're scary. And yeah, they could probably do some damage if they wanted to. But like generally, not so much. Like they'll like leave them alone. Like, why are you swimming with Humboldt squid, y'all? Don't do that. Don't. <laughs> no, I, uh, no I, Humboldt- I've never heard of squid attacking people. <laughs> other than uh, like uh, sailor stories. I mean, unless you uh, like unprovoked, probably not. Um. Uh. Let's see here. It says four foot eleven, so almost five five feet for the mantle. Oh, okay. That's yeah. Big. Well, they they can be pretty big. Um. Let's see. Yeah, here it says that they have an aggression, like a reputation for being aggressive, but like the only time they're really aggressive is if they're eating. So, like, yeah, if you are in the water while they're eating, they might mistake you for food. Yeah, are they just gonna them. like attack you? Attack you? Probably not. They've attacked cameras before, but like, are they mistaking cameras for food? Possibly. Shiny things. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. I don't know. I, I like I, more likely than an orca attacking you, less likely than a cow attacking you. That's how <laughs> I see it. I I would be more afraid of a cow than I would be of uh of a squid. A squid? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's oh, so. here's here's that. This is from Oceana. That's the article I was reading. Fishermen even say the squid will rip you apart. <laughs> and they're like, well, well, probably not. Um, but like, because they're expanding their range, it could be that we have to like not have as many like tuna melts so that there's more tuna to keep them in check, which we might want to be doing anyway. Or we just have more calamari. Or eat more calamari. I'm for yeah. it. You can have... Does someone want my tentacles? Because I can't eat the tentacles. I can eat the tentacles. I'm fine with that. I will trade you some tentacles <laughs> for some mantle bits. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Because, like, I think... like So, I love... Cephalopods are my favorite. I think I've said that before. But, like, um, I cannot eat... I cannot eat octopus at all. I, I just can't get around it. Because, to me, they're... They're more like dogs, like watching them interact with each other and with people. And like, they're just so intelligent and beautiful. I can't bring myself to. Um, whereas like, I or like, I think I, I think I likened it because my dad asked me about this. I think I likened like octopus to horses. Like, I, I don't think I would eat, like, I, I can't make, I could probably eat a horse. That may not be fair. 
but a <laughs> <laughs> horse before octopus. Um, but like squid are like cows or like, I will eat a cow. I will eat a squid and it's all good. Yeah. So like I, I can do squid, but not octopus. And I think it's funny because people give me shit for it. Um, like I used to have people who would like take pictures of like the seafood displays with like the baby octopus that you can get. They're like boiled baby octopus and they'd send me pictures and they'd be like, look, I'm like, that's really sad. Thanks for sharing friend. <laughs> and I also think it's person. funny. Great. And then on the other hand, people get really upset when I tell them I'm not a vegetarian. Like they're like, oh, you eat fish, but you work with fish. I'm like, yeah. And <laughs> they're not like some of them. I like, I wouldn't eat my fish. I wouldn't eat the fish I work with, but like I would eat fish. It's not like it's a child. <laughs> I'm not like I'm not like working at a daycare sizing up the kids for lunch like it's different okay. but in a zombie I, apocalypse would you eat a kid not my kid that's a waste <laughs> of resources <laughs> yep. I had to put all the inform- all the effort into that not doing that not my <laughs> kid no I couldn't eat people that's gross um, <laughs> um okay, but you do like, like takoyaki? Some people takoyaki. Are... I don't know if I could do takoyaki. I could try. I think I would try it if it was like if I was in Japan and I had the opportunity. I don't think I want to like eat it just to like I wouldn't order it. But like if I was at a, a festival in Japan, when everything is back to normal, hopefully one day that will happen in our lifetimes. Um, <laughs> we will have to take you to the Richmond Night Market because there's like all these booths to do all oh, kinds. I've wanted to go. So I I went to the Night Market here in town, thinking it would be like the Richmond Night Market. It was not equivalent, uh, and I had a panic attack, and we had to go home. <laughs> the Richmond Night Market is very crowded, to let you know, but the food more than makes up for it if i have a headphone i think part of it was i don't know what it was i think part of it it wasn't what i was expecting and i got overwhelmed um Mm -hmm. but if i can have a headphone in i'm usually okay i just have to have like an adult hold my hand or something (laughs) well i guess legally we're all adults so we should be able to help you oh good (laughs) just buddy system you can get me one of those backpack things you know the backpack leash, the kid backpack yes. leash. That's what I need. I Don't lose me in the crowd. <laughs> I probably still have a Tigger one kicking around somewhere that I had for Daniel. Oh my god. <laughs> Last thing. Last animal. Oh my god, what? Oh, I hit 5,000 steps. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my wrist keeps vibrating at me and I'm not, I'm like, what do you want? It's time. It's, hey, bitch, you walked today. That's what it's saying. Good job, bitch. Um, <laughs> talk to yourself nicer. Okay. Uh, last <laughs> animal I have is the beautiful lionfish. These are actually native to Indonesia, I believe, um, wow. and South Asia in the water. Um, They've come a these- far away. <laughs> Yeah, so they're very popular in ornamental fish trade because they're like these 
big, beautiful, imposing animals. They have like the zebra stripes. Some of them have a reddish color to them. Um, it's super funny. In Animal Crossing, they call them tikka turkey zebra fish. And I thought that was bullshit. And I couldn't figure out what they really were. And so I had to Google it. And it turns out that they're just lionfish. But they call them turkey zebra fish in some places. That's a, which that's I, a stupid name. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a disservice to the animal. Um, <laughs> turkey zebra fish. Yeah. So um, the picture I showed you, there's actually three lionfish in that photo. Um I took this at the Monterey Bay Aquarium, I want to say, um, on my aquarium tour of the West Coast. Um, and they're really, they're a pretty aggressive fish, too. Like, they'll come up, like, you see them flare up their fins. All their fins are poisonous. Um, and so they're venomous fish, not toxic fish. They're venomous like a snake not toxic like a mushroom. Does that make sense? Yep. Like, yeah, they are venomous because they have an injecting, they have like a poison reservoir um, that they use to either inject or like in this case, they like stab you. Um, so they're venomous, like a snake bites you. Yeah. Uh, toxins are where your self is actually poisonous noxious to eat or like will kill you so like uh you don't want to eat those cute red mushrooms because if you eat it it will poison you um so they yeah, are toxic things have to stab you toxic things you have to eat them yeah or lick so like fugu fugu is toxic yeah lionfish are venomous i just wanted to make that very clear because it's important for later <laughs> tuck that in your cap um yeah, so they're very popular in the fish trade, um, which is the fancy way of seeing people like to have them in their fish tanks because they're really big and imposing and cool looking and they're like aggressive eaters. You can like live feed them smaller things and they'll just like gobble it up. Um, and so that's possibly one of the ways that they got introduced <laughs> to the South Atlantic. Um, the The not rumor old wives tale urban legend legend idea is that they were in someone's fish tank and a hurricane came and broke the fish tank and the fish somehow ended up in the water um it's also very possible that someone just was done owning it uh and decided to throw it into the ocean uh which isn't that far-fetched it happens all the time with all kinds of shit um, either way, they got introduced into, like, the Caribbean and the South Atlantic and, well, I guess it's, like, the Mid-Atlantic, but Southeastern United States. And, um, they have taken over the Eastern Seaboard. Um, so they will grow, I think it's at least twice as large as they do in the wild in their native area. So these animals are growing bigger and faster and they're mating more often so instead of i think they usually only have i almost said children they only only have babies twice a year i believe in uh the south pacific Indonesia? yep south pacific yep. that's what i was trying to say 
my brain's just slowly catching up. Um, but in the Atlantic, they're having children every month, or they can't have babies every month. <laughs> and it's a lot of them. The, okay. Like, what are yeah. we talking about for a clutch? Oh, I, uh, I want to double check because my brain is not remembering. Um, so give me one second here while I re-pull up my thing because I closed it by accident. Um, I want to <laughs> say it's a couple hundred per lionfish, but it could be wrong. And how fast do they reach maturity? That is also another good question. <laughs> Where were you guys when I was writing this? <laughs> <laughs> I had all I had all of this ready to go. I have cool like links and shit. Here's an interactive map. I'll share that while I'm looking that no one can see on the radio. Do, 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 do. It will be linked on the website. Do, yeah. do, 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 do. Where is all my information? It's gone. Each clutch can have 15,000 eggs per clutch. So like 15,000 babies a month. Granted, not all these are going to get to maturity Maturity. because like reasons, but they are more (laughs) likely like life happens right like think about when you watch the the turtle documentaries as kids and you realize not all those babies are going to grow up to be adults and you cry it's like that um (laughs) but yeah like enough the answer is enough of them will and they are they don't have any real natural predators the only thing that's really been seen to eat them are groupers sometimes more eels if the eel can get a good like angle on them they're really hard to eat right like they're fucking full of spines and toxins who wants to eat you not many (laughs) um let's see and then they also said the blue spotted cornet fish which is like this weird like flute fish looking fucker he's really skinny and long i don't know how he would eat uh fucking anything big i'm i'm calling that bullshit lionfish get Uh, big lionfish get real big and especially in the atlantic they get twice as large they're not supposed to be there (laughs) so the other thing is these are another one of those so they're if i remember correctly they're an ambush predator if you think about it you look at their cool like fins they're not really meant for speed or much movement they're more of like an intimidation tactic to not get eaten shutting down the walkway right like they're fancy bitches they don't like (laughs) they're more about like they don't need to be fast they are the anti-gay because they don't go fast um you know that joke right like (laughs) gay people walk really fast no because of all the iced coffee no okay i just wanted to clarify because you guys kind of laughed but didn't really laugh and i wanted everybody to know that i'm not an asshole that it's like a funny thing i saw on the internet and i was trying to make everyone laugh (laughs) but i didn't do so great um it's fine everyone it's fine oh and they're getting into the the mediterranean now too fuck um not the gays. They can be there. I'm the lion. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, 
so they so like they're breeding faster eating everything getting huge not being eaten and they're basically taking over uh the eastern seaboard and it's a big problem it's collapsing uh coral reef ecosystems because they're Mm -hmm. like eating all the fish and then like there's nothing left to like help sustain the reef or like it's it's causing like major issues and so there have been efforts several different efforts several different ways they're trying to get rid of these guys you can't do i am gonna say this again you cannot throw (laughs) chemicals in these waters they are already fucked enough please don't um like hurricanes and overfishing and pollution and oil drills like are already destroying these reefs throwing extra poison on top of that is just gonna like create such a reef of sadness um the reef of sadness the reef of sadness like thinking about it makes me sad um so you can't do that they don't really have a predator like one introducing predators to get rid of something that you want to get rid of is a terrible idea. We tried this in many different places, including Australia, several times, I might add. Um, <laughs> and it just never works out. We did it with toads trying to keep beetles out of sugarcane crops and just like fucked up a bunch of ecosystems. And we have way too many toads in places. Um, same thing with goats. We did that with goats in several different places, not like. In, like, a malicious way, like, sailors would drop goats off on different islands, but especially in the Galapagos, and just let them be so they could come back and eat them. Huh? The Galapagos. The Galapagos. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I love it. Um, Yeah, so they, like, drop them off, but then the goats would out eat all of the native things and, like, stomp on eggs. And so it was harming the (laughs) ecosystem. Oh no. Rats are another big problem that we've introduced into a lot of places. Not only because they're like rats eating things <laughs> in places they shouldn't be, but they were like killing birds and eating babies and eating eggs and outcompeting native rodents. It's a it's a huge wait, fucking wait, mess. Rats killing birds? Like baby birds. Okay. <laughs> like <laughs> that makes more sense. <laughs> um okay. yeah, it's it's a whole problem. Um, so, like, they didn't want to do that, right? And you can't, like... So, like, the only real way they have of getting rid of them is to individually go and hunt them, because you can do spearfishing with these guys, or fish them out, right? Um, but one cool thing I saw that they've been trying to do is... Well, there's two different programs. One is that they have found out that you can eat lionfish. Remember... They are venomous, not poisonous, so you can eat them, just don't get stuck by a spine. Um, And so they've tried to introduce them as, like, a delicacy, trying to get people to create a want in the market for them so that they can encourage people to overfish them, which is great. Let's overfish the invasive things. Um, I'm not quite sure how well that's going. Um, it was like a tentative program when I read about it five years ago. I don't know how that's going, especially with COVID. Um, but like it's there, right? They're trying to get like local populations also hooked on it, right? No pun mm-hmm. intended. Uh-huh. Um, 
They're also there's, trying to find ways. <laughs> there was an attempt. Um, they're also trying to see if they can reintroduce, like, capture them in the wild, in these invasive areas, and introduce them into the fish trade instead of capturing them from the wild in their native areas where maybe we shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Right. So kind of like trading that off. The only downside to that, when you think about it from like the human standpoint, is now you're taking that trade away from the local population who might need that money without really replacing it with anything better. Um, so it's like a gray area on that one. Um, the other really cool thing I saw is that they have actually created a robot that can like collect these fish for you. So the cool <laughs> thing about this robot, let me show you. This will be on the website. Um, I'll also see if I can um, get the video for the for the Instagram. So it's like a canister. It looks like a big, almost like a, what's it called? Air tank for when you yeah. go scuba diving. And it's got a camera attached to the top. And it's got these weird, like, rippy things on the front. With and spatulas. what it does. Yeah, like spatulas. And what they'll do, and you can, the really cool thing is you can see the lionfish, like, freak out. And he's, like doing a very aggressive pose to this um, robot because, like, he, he feels threatened. So he's got his mouth agape and, like, all his fucking spines are up and he looks like an angry dude, bro. <laughs> I love it. Um, but what it does is it actually creates a vacuum and gently sucks the fish into the tank so you don't have to worry about damaging the animal while you're capturing it, right? So you're not worried about, you're not breaking spines, you're not disrupting its mucus by touching it. That's a big thing with fish. Um, like, they're not for pet, they're pets, but not for petting, especially if they're spiky. Um, but, like, petting them can actually disrupt their um, their mucus and, like, their immunity. It's a big thing. Um, but yeah, so you're like effect and you're not killing it. So if you wanted to sell this fish to someone with a big aquarium, you could. Um, the other cool thing about this is it lets you go into depths where the fish will be that people can't go because it's too far down. Um, and yeah, you don't have to be, you could do this without getting wet. You don't have to worry about air tanks um, or any of that. So I thought that was a a cool like bridge between science and like nerd science that I'm into and like cool engineering nerd stuff that I'm not as much into because I don't know how. I wonder like how many like fish they could capture in like an hour or something with that. I don't know. I guess it would depend on how many of them you saw. Yeah. Because I think that's the hard part when you're doing any kind of anything with animals is, like, you have to find them, right? Mm. That's yeah. the hardest part. Lionfish aren't really schoolfish at all, so. No, not really. They're pretty aggressive and territorial as far as I know. Like, I think the ones that I showed you in that that picture, probably not as. Like, it could just be the species, but as if I remember correctly, which to be honest, like I've struggled with a lot tonight. I'm, I could be misremembering a lot. Uh, <laughs> let me let me double check. So now I feel like an asshole that I don't just know. <laughs> I can't let it go. They also yeah, get I, called 
fire fish and tasty fish. I was curious about how they taste. Because I've, I've never been anywhere that's had them on the menu. I haven't either. And I would really like to eat one. Yeah, I'd try it. Yeah. It does not say if they are aggressive to each other or not. But I've always seen them as being described as aggressive, so. I know at the aquarium here, um, they have a tank that's kind of, like, packed with them. So they obviously must be, those ones obviously must not be too aggressive because they seem to be hanging around without any issue. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe they're just aggressive to other fish. Like, how aggressive can you be with something that is venomous? Even if, like, I don't know if they can be affected by their own venom. Some of these fish pictures are absolutely gorgeous. Also, I have to show you this one of this fish that's been fried. And it looks so silly. It looks so silly. Oh, my God. Why? It's just like a whole giant fish has just been fried. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's got this, like lemon crown lemon crown but it still has some of its fins like ah, why does that why would that be appetizing it doesn't look appetizing to Mm. me at all it looks Um, kind of pretty but not like something i'd want to eat i would i would look for that i would look for that as like an animal crossing diy (laughs) just to have it but i wouldn't make it (laughs) <laughs> okay, so apparently Noah was not like in 2010 um had started this like lionfish as food thing and apparently it tastes like snapper and is kind of buttery and tender. And mm-hmm. so the Roman Catholic Church heard about this campaign, was trying to also help promote it, and so they were trying to get parishioners to eat lionfish on Fridays during and during Lent and Easter. When, like, you're not supposed to be eating meat. Catholics don't eat meat on Fridays. Um, Well, some do. But, like, you're not supposed to eat meat on Fridays. Um, And so they were trying to get, like, people to do that (laughs) as part of... That's a cool thing to do. Okay. We'll let you have that one, Catholic Eat lionfish for Jesus. (sighs) Lionfish for Jesus. Lionfish for Jesus. Great. I want, like, a picture... Of like a human, but with a lionfish head with all of the spike, <laughs> and then like the saint halo around them. I think that would be fan, <laughs> fan fucking tastic. Yeah, so good. Yeah. So those are only like a small, small number of invasive species. Um, I kind of like talked about some of the ones that I knew were really uh prevalent, and animals that I think are cool but also terrible. Not by any fault of their own, but still. Um, yeah. So thanks for stumping me on questions I really should have had the answer to, guys. Anytime. What are friends for? Please give it to me. <laughs> Put me in my place. Every time I think I know something, ask me a question so that I know I don't. <laughs> I love that. Just gotta keep you in your toes. Keep me well, on thanks my toes. for coming up on uh <laughs> with a topic out of like nowhere mm-hmm. yeah I have a list uh, this one was just uh, like mostly done so perfect 
Well, well then, I guess that's it for this episode. We'll be back sometime soon with other stuff. We're just making this all up as we go. <laughs> yeah. If that wasn't obvious. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have a 10 year plan, but um, not at all. Not at the all. only reason we have a 10 year plan is because we have 10 years worth of content somewhere. I have a 10 minute plan. <laughs> yeah. We have 10 years of content, but no plans. Nope. <laughs> and that's it for this week. Next week, we continue the Gen Sega with a brand new story brought to us by Marley, who knew and went to school with Jack before Jen showed up and had to watch as she slowly took over his life. Don't worry, we still plan to do an episode on Lost Media and the Montauk Project. These topics just ended up being way bigger than we expected, so we need a little more time to prepare. But they are coming, I promise. As always, links, pictures, and additional information can be found on our website at thehumanexception.com. To keep up with all things exceptional, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at The Human Exception. Have a story that you want us to cover? Want to tell us that we're wrong or you just want to say hi? You can email us at thehumanexception at gmail.com. And to get in on the fun, come join us on our Discord server. A link can be found on our contact page. We also now have a merch store, so check that out. Uh, the link is on our website. Keep on being exceptional, my humans, and have a wonderful weekend. Sorry, I just saw the GIF. Um, you just I say GIF? Yeah, I say it differently than everyone, and everyone can hate <laughs> me for it. It's GIF, like the peanut butter. Okay. Let's see. That starts with a J. Yeah, so does Giraffe, but Giraffe doesn't either, so. I don't Human know language for sure. Yeah. yeah, right. It's, it's that's that's just my that's just my take on it. English sucks. English sucks. English is a mishmash. Let's just all get along. Sure. Um, we like to pretend see. there's rules, but they're really. <laughs> 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 <laughs>